You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Adam of yesterday's daf. We saw in the Mishnah, the Mishnah said that you can be, you can do Atmana Begizet Semer. Gizet Semer, as we saw uh, a couple of days ago, uh, was a pretty important item. It came from the shorn sheep, and it was also something that people would use for clothing and other things like that. They would make beautiful things out of it, these these strips, these pieces. Um, even muchen we saw, people would make felt hats and other things from. So it's not surprising that we also, ne- we once again have this statement in the Mishnah, the Ein Metaltalim, that they might be muktza because maybe they're meant uh, for muktza for uh, business. And yet you're going to do Atmana, you're going to take that kugel pot and you're going to wrap it in the Gizet Semer, even though. You're still going to wrap the Gizet Semer in it. So Rav says, Loishanu. Rav says, this that it says you can't move around those strips and pieces of wool that you've shorn is Elushalo Taman Behan. You didn't do Hatmana in them. Avo Taman Behan. Once you do Hatmana in them, and I guess that means even for this Shabbos, then clearly, like you do it on Arab Shabbos, you're showing this isn't a money item. This is something you use to wrap food in. So therefore, metaltumenosan, it's like a keli, and you're now able to move it around, maybe even on this Shabbos. That was what Rava seemed to say in the base Medrash. bar A certain Rav, a certain one of the Tamir HaChamim, Bar Yomei, of that day, he asked a, uh, a question from a Mishnah or a Bryce, that's what Eisve means, with Rava, straight into Rava's face. Now, who was this, and what did it mean, Bar, what did it mean that he was Bar Yomei? So Rashi says, Osoayo, Bo Lebeis Midrash Tchila. That was the first day that he showed up. <laughs> I guess, you know, a person who had been there for weeks and weeks or years, would have waited for Rav to explain himself. Sometimes you have a person come in the first day and he asks a, 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 a strong question. He's not afraid. Uh, that happens. That happens the first day. Um, the, uh, and the Rabbeinu Nisim Gon, also uh, here on the side, you can see, talks about this. But he also mentions another pshat where he says, the father of Rav Yaakov, he was called Bar Rav. Why? Because it says that Rav Ide, Avuad Rav Yaakov Bar he would take three months for him to travel to the yeshiva. He would stay there for one day in the base Medrash, and then he would go back and it would take him another three months to get home. And he was called the Barbe Rav of Chad Yume. <laughs> so it could be that is the person we're talking about here. <laughs> we're talking about someone who only shows up. He's not just a nobody who showed up for the first time. He's a tremendous Moser Nefesh for Torah. And, and it takes him three months to get everybody has to get home for the other Yom Tif that's three months, because uh, it's six months between Yom Tif and Yom Tif. But to come to the yeshiva is very important. Again, very strange. You have to explain, well, what about leaving his wife for three months and, and the other three months on the road only gets one day in the base medrash? But anyway, the point is he made it count because he asked a very strong question to Rava. And his question was, Tom, the Biggie's eight Samer. Our Mishnah says, I don't understand how you can say it's not Muktzah. It says, Ve'ein metaltum no son. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say you don't move it around if you don't use it. That our Mishnah is telling you a din in Hatmana and a din in Muktzah. But look at the next part of the Mishnah, the Bar Be'rab said, the Bar Yome said. What should he do? The Mishnah says, note, next page here, note to us no false. It says what you're supposed to do is take off the top, make sure a little bit of the kugel, uh, the kugel pot's covering is jutting out of the uh, area that's surrounding, all those, those feathers or whatever you're using to surround it. In this case, it would be the wool. And then you lift the top, no float, and they fall. So what do you see? you see that you're not allowed to move them 
because you're only supposed to lift the top off and let the others fall away. You can't just move them away. They're still muktzah even while they're doing hatmana, right? <laughs> so you see that it still remains muktzah even today. That's a question against Rava. So the Gemara says, "I itmar hochi itmar." Tosu says that doesn't make sense because that's usually what you say when you re-examine a, 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 a shmua, re-examine a, a recorded statement. So it's better to say but you'll see in a minute why that's a problem. So let's assume perhaps that's what was going on. That Rava did not say or Rava readjusted his statement. He said, Meaning you're right. The mission is correct, obviously. The first day, if this is what you didn't have, it was late Arab Shabbos, or all you had to do to wrap the kugel in was these wool strips, then it's fine to use them because, the, as the Mishnah told us, they're not Mosif Hevel. They don't make it any warmer. But they remain muksa even today. Now, let's say if you have the idea in your mind when you use them, that it isn't just, hey, I'll use them in an emergency way today, but really I'm thinking about these are things that I'm going to sell because they're worth money. Let's say you don't say that. When you use it, you say, these are now going to be my quite expensive, but these are going to be my expensive, quite expensive wrapping kugel uh, pieces. Uh-huh. If that's what it is. You're meyachad them as a keili. So then, then, then you are allowed to move them, but you have to be miyached them. Rashi has a big chidush here on the second line. Rashi says, what does it mean you have to be miyached them? Le'olam. You have to be miyached them forever. <laughs> not just for the Shabbos. And therefore, it's not a contradiction to the Mishnah. Itmarnami. It was also discussed about this. Ki osi Ravin. When Ravin came from Eretz Yisrael, he said, Omer Rabbi Yaakov, Omer Rabbi ben Shol, Omer Rebbe. Ravin came from Eretz Yisrael, and he had a tradition that went back to the author of the Mishnah himself, from Rebbe, that said what? Leishonu elo shelo yichten This that you might have seen in the Mishnah, that you've got to be so careful with those gizei temer, that you've got to, like, uh, let them just fall away and don't move them directly. you just got to lift the top of the pot, uh, the top of the covering off delicately and delicately and let them fall. That's only if you didn't do yichud for atmana. Avol yichdan lahatmana. But if you do that, metal son. So that sounds exactly what we just said, Rava probably said. Okay. Ravina Amar. But then Ravina comes in, and it would seem Ravina doesn't have to say anything. <laughs> right? uh, Ravina seems to want to justify the original way we understood Rava, which was that it's not Muksa even this week. Even though you didn't have any special thought in mind that this is going to be my kugel coverings from now on. Why? Because he says the reason the Mishnah is so concerned that you got to just let them fall away, that it's still muksa, even though while it's doing hatmana for you, it's doing a job for you, but you're still seeing its identity as, as money items, as items that you're going to sell, is because the Mishnah is talking about Bishel heftik shanu. What's the heftik? The heftik is when you're a businessman, and you've got, for example, your big week, like for Lahabdo by Christmas. Uh, this is the week I got to make my sales three weeks before. And you, you get your best supplies ready uh, to take them on the road to show the marketers or whatever it is. So you put your best stuff together. You have your huge inventory. And you know that's like your super sales items. That's the heptic, Rashi says. Marecha Gedola. It's like a big spread. Sha'orchin, like you set up a whole diorama of stuff you're gonna put here. Sha'orchin umashivin. And he said, this is what I'm I take and I show it to all my customers. Look what's here. Lakzos and Waschora. Shukarintash. It could be the godim, it could be tzemer, it could be chagovim. It could be you're you're selling some uh some dried up grasshoppers or busser meluach. 
right? Or, or, or dried up meat. But this is your, your, your sales, uh, like, 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 like the people that sell, um, you know, floorings. They have their, uh, you know, or they sell rugs. Uh, they sell, they have this big thing. They carry their case, their sample case. So these are the pieces that you show off to sell for your big sales. The heftic. That's what we're talking about. The big heftic stuff. Aha. So this, this gizim came from your heftic. In other words, it was Arab Shabbos. And you know where he took it from? He took it from the sales case. Since he took it from the sales case, from the big heftic case, so therefore, so since he took it from the sales case, therefore, without any specific thought to change it, it stays muksa. And even though it's been working this Shabbos, but since you took it from the heftic, the heftic is the type of thing where even though it's present use, it shows that it's just wrapping a kugel, but its identity as a sales item is not been diminished at all. That's where the Mishnah said you got to be so careful. Tanya Nami Hochi, as we see a Bryson, it says something similar. Gizei Tzemer Shel Heftik. If that's what you're using, ain metaltu You can't move them around. They came from the heftic case. But let's say the Balabayas, in a sense, thinks about them and says, you know what, I'm taking this out of the heptic case. He, he changes them in some way, right? Then, then even though they came from the heptic case, then you're allowed to use them. So that could also be what Rava meant. Although Rava seemed to have changed his mind, that could also have been what the Mishnah was talking about and why you have to take such precautions. Rabbi Barav Khana said over a brice in front of Rav. Well, I didn't know that Rabbi Barav Khana actually met Rav, but okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I'll take it. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people change the gear set, but let's see. So what happened over here? It says Rashi. This is the Adnofim Koshim. These are these uh, date uh, fronds, the date, uh, like we have for the lulav, it's like the date branches uh, on top where the, the lulav grows underneath them. And these date branches become hard as wood. Mishehushku, when they become hooks, they become so tough. Shidraot shalulavin. It's like, it's just like a bunch of uh, lulavim toughened together. So, vinoflu alin shalahen. And, and, and the leaves are gone. So all these are is like a tough material. So what do you do? It's called a cheriot. Shegadran, says Rashi. Ketzitzas, tamarim. You cut anything dealing with the day tree is called a goder. So that was part of what you were goder. We're not worried about the dates themselves. We're talking about those leaves that have toughened and hardened. And they might be a perfect thing to use to sit down on the ground with. And what happened? But they also might be perfect for what? For firewood. So you, what did you do? When you harvested them, you said, we got plenty of wood now. Maybe you're going to use it as building wood, like in Gilligan's Island, right? You can, you can build stuff out of it too. Or you can use it for wood in terms of the, uh, keeping the potbelly stove going. And then you figure, you know what? When you when you harvested it, that's what you meant it to be. Building material, fuel material. But then Nimlach Aleyem Liyeshiva. Then you figured, you know what? I want to use them this Shabbos to sit on. That's what I want to do. I want to sit on them. Because they're pretty good for sitting on. And we don't we have extra people coming. We're going to use them as the couch this week. Well, you want to do that, you got to do more than just think about it before Shabbos. Sarah Lakasher. Says Rashi, you need since they were harvested and they're sitting there to be either building material or fuel. In order to change designation, you need to do a physical act to show. So you have to tie them together because tying them together, and yachad. If you don't tie them together, you can't move them on Shabbos. 
Why? Even though you thought about it, Arab Shabbos, because Machshava is not enough. If something blatantly has one identity, you can't, with your thoughts, change it to something else. That's what seems to be uh, this Brisa, the Tanakama of this Brisa says. And if you don't do that physical act, which shows, hey, this is not firewood, this has got a string around it to keep them together, that's the type of thing you want to have for your sofa, that your sofa stays together when all the fat people sit on it. Aha! So now I understand it's a chair now. It's meant to be spread on the floor. Leo Mayer says you don't have to go that far. Ain Sarah that you don't have to actually tie it. You don't need to. Machshava alone, Arab Shabbos is good enough. So, interesting, Brisa. So, Rav is stroking his beard. Meanwhile, Rabbi Barakana keeps on talking. <laughs> he said over the Brisa, and he said, Rav, you know who I think is correct? I think Halacha is like Reb Shimon ben Gamliel. Reb Shimon ben Gamliel is right on that. Hmm. And therefore, that means you, even though you have something which seems to have an identity previous, your thoughts beforehand can change it, which is sort of similar to the Gizet Semer, as we're going to see in the Mishnah, right? What we saw just before. Gizet Semer had one identity. Now you changed it. The heftic, though, was a little bit different. And the heftic, once again, did you actually think you're changing its designation or you're just using it for today? You definitely see what we saw before, that yichud la'olam can change things even though you didn't physically alter the item. Itmar, but when Rav discussed this situation, when Rav talked about uh, using these palm fronds, these, these tough palm leaves that have hardened, Rav said, if you want to use them, once you've harvested them first for firewood, you got to be kosher. You got to do what? You have to do an act of physically changing them, wrap around some string around them or something. Shmuel Amar, Choshev. Shmuel says, you know what? Choshev is enough. Now we have Ravasi. Now the three come together sometimes in Chas. Shmuel, Rav Yochan, and Ravasi. Ravasi considered himself um, a Talmud of Rav, even though he was a little bit older. He, he respected Rav a lot. He didn't have the same covet for Shmuel. But um, Ravasi, Shmuel, and, and they were all from the same period, essentially. So what did Ravasi say? Ravasi said, Yoshev, Apopishalokishar. He says, sitting, you have to sit on it. You don't have to actually change it by binding it, but sitting on it alone shows you it's no longer just building material. You sat on it there of Shabbos, that's good enough. Apopishalokishav. You don't have to think about it. Now, the, the Rishonim argue, does Rav Asi disagree with Shmuel? Or Rav Asi, you don't need to have special makshava. Rav Asi might be saying, if you happen to be sitting on it incidentally on Arab Shabbos, that's good enough to use it on Shabbos. The fact, even though you didn't think, hey, I'm sitting on this, hey, this will be a good couch for Shabbos, the fact that you physically sat on it alone is enough to change the designation if you want it on Shabbos. That's one way to look at it. Or the other way to look at it is that you need to sit on it, that thinking alone isn't enough. It sounds like you don't have to think. It sounds like Rav Asi is trying to be Mako more than Shmuel. But we'll see in a minute. Rav is like the Tanakama. Remember, he heard the Brisa. Rabbi Barakana told him the Brisa. And Rav, although he heard Rabbi Barakana say, he himself held like the Tanakama of that Brisa. And therefore, he agreed. And remember, Rav is a more machmer by Muksa. And therefore, Rav believes that you have to do what? You have to do some physical act to change it. Shmuel, we also understand. Which means machshava alone is enough. But where does Ravasi get this thing? Because Ravasi, where did Ravasi come from? Ravasi the Amr Kiman. Ravasi doesn't seem to have a Tana to depend on. Mar says he does. We found another Brisa. Who Damarki Hai Tana? This is a question about, we're going to be talking about it a lot, about going into the street in Rishwas Harabim, what you can keep on your body. Clothing, yes. We talked yesterday at the end of the daf 
we talked about uh, jewelry and things like that uh, a couple of days ago. Today, this is talking about this. Today, we're talking about wearing something on your body, but it's clearly meant to just be a bandage. It's meant to heal something that's a wound that's bothering you. Well, can you walk on Rosh Hashanah with that? Let's forget about the medicinal aspect of it, of doing medicine on Shabbos. He might have done it from before Shabbos. He didn't place it on his wound on Shabbos. He placed it on Arab Shabbos. The question is, can he walk in the street with it? Or is it considered a masa? Let's make a difference that it's, it seems to be wearing it. You can't just tie something around your neck and say, I'm wearing it. So that's what's going on here. So Yotzi B'Pakurin Uvitzifa. The person takes a strip of either uh, nicely combed out flax, that's pakurin, or nicely combed out wool. Why does he do that? Because they can protect an open wound. Okay. But only bizman shetsovan b'shemen. You've got to put oil on them. Why oil? Rashi says, because that shows you that what they're for is for the wound. Isn't that a refuah? Yes, no. It's not just pure refuah. The lav refuah ninu el shavu yisratu malbushav es makosoi. He just doesn't want. It's not to heal the wound. But he wants to, by putting it in the oil, by dunking it in the oil, right? By dunking it in the oil, this is the subtle difference. What it's doing is not just healing it. It's also protecting the fact that his clothing, including this piece of material, the oil protects the wound from the material that he's wearing. Aha, uh-huh, that's like a regular piece of clothing. In other words, by doing this, you're show, you have a right to wear an extra layer, even though you don't put your, it's only a strip of material, but the fact that you treated it, that shows, it's like all clothing, all clothing is supposed to protect you, right? You're cold. I don't want my skin to get cold. I can wear, the, I can wear 10 coats on a cold day. It's not called a, a masli. I have a wound and I want to go outside. And I want to wear clothing because I have to go outside with clothing. I don't want my clothing to scratch my wound. Okay, so that really you've now you've now clearly indicated that this is an item of clothing for you. If you don't do that, it means that the right what you're more concerned about is the medicinal effect of the the, the, the material on the wound. And therefore, that would be a masan Shabbos. So the, the idea of, of, of putting the oil on it by, 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 by you know, glazing oil over it and then karchon b'meshicha, then uh, tying it, that is what makes it, although it's unusual, Beged, it's now your Beged. And therefore, you could go after Rosh Hashanah with it. Lo tzavah m'shemen, lo karchon b'meshicha, ein yoytzen behem. Okay. What about im yotzeben shaachas mivodio? What about you didn't do all this fancy schmancy stuff with it? What about you were walking in Rishus Harabin and you didn't and, and you had the material on you and it wasn't oiled, but it happened you happen to be walking in Rishus Harabin with your shirt and under your shirt this, the the piece of material and under the piece of material the open wound. If you do that and you were walking around with it outside. So you, you see that if you've used it, even though most people don't use it that way because it scratches the wound and it looks like just medicine, but if you have shown that this is what you do, then that's enough. It's no longer, we bring a raya from Hilchas Shabbos to Hilchas Muksa, right? That, right? That if you don't, uh, that if if this is uh, it's, if it becomes a beged, that means that's what you use it for. The fact that this, the fact that you walked around on Friday afternoon in this unusual manner, means this is an act. This is an item of clothing for you, because there are people that do have strips of things around themselves. 
and you do have a wound, and it is protecting the wound, and clothing is always meant to protect the body. So now the fact that you walked around with it before Shabbos means we're going to treat it like an actual item of clothing. And even on Shabbos, you can do the same thing. You could come back home and Shabbos morning, do the same thing, put it on there, and walk out into Rishos Harabim, because Friday afternoon you walked out that way. So that's basically the idea of Ravashi, that you don't need to make an actual physical change in the item, just use it in the new way, and that would be enough. So Ravashi, Ravashi holds, like this opinion, which is, as you can see, is a pretty darn good opinion, which is of this price. We're going to see who the author of it is in the middle. Right? Okay, let's say here's the problem. The problem is you've got a bunch of straw on the bed. Okay, what's the matter? Well, the matter is, Rashi says, Normally, when you have straw, the average farmer's thinking, just like they did in Mitzrayim, right? They put the straw into the, into the bricks, remember? Right? That's what it is. It's, 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 it's either going to go as straw into the bricks, or I'm going to use it as cheap firewood. Therefore, it's muksa. So here it is. It's on my bed. Now, the truth is, my bed is just a bunch of ropes. <laughs> my bed doesn't have a decent, it's not like a mattress. It's a bed frame, a bunch of ropes. It's got a bunch of straw on it. The straw might be decent to lie on. But it's sitting there, minastam, in this farming agricultural area. It's considered meant either for, for, for making bricks or for fuel. Okay. Ubo b'shabes lishkavalov. And he would like to use it as his bed. He'd like to lie down on it. So what's he got to do? Well, it's all piled up. So he wants to flatten it to make it, to, to, to adjust it to his vertical size. So what does he do? He needs to shake it. He doesn't want to be just a pile. He wants it to be smoothly arranged so he can now lie on it. So how does he do that? Let's see what the, let's see what the, uh, the Mishnah says to Mishnah. It's muksa. So therefore you can't just use your hand and just use your hand to swipe it down. What you're allowed to do is, with your body, give it a, uh, give it a, 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 a beep bop, give it some sort of shove with another part of your body, and it'll all tumble down into the shape you need it to be able to lie on it. And seemingly, since you're not moving it, there's no isser to sit on muksa, right? The isser would be to move it. So even though it's still technically muksa, it's also your bed, which is interesting. Right? That's what it sounds like you're allowed to do. However, let's say it wasn't meant to go into the straw, but it was actually there to feed your animal. So it's like a food item. Or let's say, even though it's a, uh, it's a lumpy pile, but you put, what did you put on it? You put a, a sheet on it. You put a sheet or a pillow on it during the day, even though you don't know exactly what you were thinking. All of a sudden, you've changed it. Even though it was stam, was supposed to be something else, the fact that there was a usage that was done here of Shabbos, that's enough to make it non-muksa. It's now considered bedding material, and it's like, like a keili, like the bed itself. It's like a mattress, and you're allowed to move it with your hands. So we see that uh, you don't need to actually, uh, you don't need to actually uh, have any machshava. The fact that it was used that way is enough, and that's where Rav Asi is based on. But now we want to know, before we got this third b'risa, we saw that Rabbi Shibam and Gamliel was the one who said, like Shmuel, that you need to have a machshava before Shabbos to change its designation. Man ton of the pogo, Shibam Gamliel. Who's the ton who's the most machmir? Who says you actually have to do a physical act? Who was that? It was a stam tana, but who's that tana? 
Matzah. We did some research. We found who it was. Rabbi Hanina ben Akiva. It's not Rabbi Akiva's son, I don't believe. Rabbi Hanina ben Akiva. It's not. Tichi also Rabbi Dimi Amr because when Dimi came to the base Medrash, he said, I want to tell you something in the name of Zahiri. Dimi, also one of the travelers from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel. Um, Rab Hanina. Pamachas, I want to tell you. Holach, Rab Hanina ben Akiva, Lemokomechad. There was once the story about this Tana, Hanina ben Akiva, Umotzacherio Chodekel. He found a, a situation where the, the farmers had started to harvest everything in the date tree, including these tough uh, uh, palms that had, that had t- toughened, and they were, had been harvested. And it was clear they were meant for either building material or fuel. And he's told his Talmidim, He said, look, we're going to have a big shear tomorrow. Something's going on. A bunch of people. I'm going to see that a shear. I see reason. He says, I want, I want you to think about those and say those things that were harvested for reason A are now meant, are now meant for people to sit on. Now, he said that, but he also added the following caveat. The lo yadana. He, he said either one of either one or the other. He said the reason why I'm letting you people uh, just think about it, even though it was clearly harvested for this reason, for a muktzah reason, but just think about it. That will change it with your mind. Is because a very special occasion is happening. It was either uh, a person that they had to. Uh, Comfort because a person had died. They needed a lot of people there. Beis Ha'avil having the people was crucial, or it was a sheva brachas that they needed to wanted to be misameachos and vekala. So it sounds that was because of a special reason he felt this element of muktza could be weakened by just thinking. That seems to be the tradition of the story, which is. It's only because it was where they were so busy that it would have been difficult to be able to ask everybody to, uh, to, to, to tie all the things together to change it physically. Special reason. It must be that in a normal situation, you need to actually physically change it. In a normal situation, when there isn't anything that's so making you so busy, there isn't a big mitzvah that's going on or something special, super important that we need everybody's time and that there's going to be a special occasion that we need it for, we're not going to bend the rules at all of muksa, and we're going to say that for these fronds, even though they're very nice to sit on, since you designated them when you harvested them for reason A, you need to actually physically change it. Okay. So now we had Rav and Shmuel Ravasi. We figured them out. Now we have a psak from Rav Yehuda. Amar Rav Yehuda. Mach nesodam molek uposay ofar. Vaosabo kotsarcho. Now let me explain. The kupa is gone. <laughs> he uses the kupa to scoop up the dirt. He takes it into his house, and then he and then he 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 lowers the pile onto the ground. Now it's not a giant amount of dirt, but it's enough to do what he needs to do on Shabbos. What did people need dirt for on Shabbos? Well, they needed dirt to cover up uh, the baby who was uh, didn't have his diaper on properly. They needed it for someone who might have thrown up. They needed it for some other reason. Remember, the floors themselves were anyway earth. So this was some extra uh, easy earth, earth that was not, they didn't have to make holes in the ground and dig them up. This was nice, loose earth that could be used for a number of different reasons around the house, and therefore, that's enough. So if you bring in the kupa air of Shabbos, or air of Yontif, that's good enough. And then you, 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 you put it on the ground, that's good enough. Dorosh Marzutra, Mishmeda Marzutra Rabba. He said, uh, if, if, I think Rabbi Yehuda probably meant that's that you got to do a little bit more than that. Who sheyichadlo Karen Zavis? It's got to be at least in a corner somewhere, okay? If it's, in the, if it's in the middle of the house, 
it's different. As Rashi says, I will not to be empty base of a midris reglayim. If he just if he just dumps it right in the middle, that's where all the uh, tra- foot traffic of the house is. So that's that's it, it, it scatters right away, and it's obviously bottled to the, the to the earthen floor. It's in a corner somewhere. That's good enough. So that was the psak of Rabbi Yehuda. When the Rabbanan spoke about that psak, the B'nai Teira in the yeshiva, they were talking to their great Rebbe Rabbapa about this psak of Rav Yehuda. They said, Kimad, who does that psak line up with? We know Rav Yehuda was a Talmud of Rav and Shmuel. This one sounds like Shmuel, in other words, Shimon ben Gamliel. Kirab Shimon ben Gamliel. That all you, you don't have to physically change stuff. All you got to do is think. And putting it in the corner is obviously, and bringing it in, Arab Shabbos, and even though it's not in the box, but it's in the corner, that's considered being meyachedit. And that's proof that, again, Rabbi Yehuda, in this thing, was following Shimon Gamliel, which means he was following Shmuel as opposed to Rab. And Yehuda had both of them as Rabbeim, and that's the significance of what the Rabbanon were saying to their Rabbi Rabbapa. He says, I'm not sure. The Rabbanan said over there, you need a Misa. And remember what the case was over there. There was the case of the Dekel, the Chiriosho Dekel. The Chiriosh or Dekel, there's something clearly you can do to indicate that it's not, uh, it's not meant for fuel anymore. It's not meant for building. And there's an obvious thing you can do. And what is that? You can do something clearly that shows it's no longer this. You tie them. You take a rope, Arab Shabbos, and you tie it around. That's how you show that it's not what it was before. The type of thing that, how do you decide, oh, earth is, it's all dirt. How are you going to show what the type of dirt it is? Okay, even though normally the dirt is there, uh, who knows, uh, to, to just be part of the floor, but sometimes the dirt means something else. It's not possible to, there's no specific act you can use. Here, even Rav and the Rabbanon of that Bryce will admit that you are just by putting it there, putting it as a special, if you put it in a special area, that's good enough. You don't have to make any physical change in the upper itself. And that, that was uh, his answer. Uh, that was Rapapa's answer. I says, oh, is that, that's interesting, Rapapa. Meaning, but well, let's take a look at this. Maybe what you just said, um, you're telling me that if it's not a bar misa, if it's not the type of thing that it's clear how you can change the designation by putting a rope around it or something else, you don't need to. And the machshav is enough. Maybe that itself is a machlokas tanoyim. We'll see. Let's see. So, Bechol, we're going a little bit out of Muxab, we're proving the same principle. Does something change its designation by thought alone? Let's think. So, this is a Mishnah that has to do, uh, a Brisa, that has to do with the Melocha called Memachik. Memachik is when they used to um, uh, strip the skin of, its, of the remaining hairs and smoothing it out. That's what they used to do, because it was all ready in terms of the Mishkan, in terms of getting the Elos uh, Mudamim, of getting the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 um, the leather from the ram's leather, and getting it perfect in order to put on top of the Mishkan. One of the Malachas he had to do was Memachek. So similar a- actions are also Osir and Shabbos as Memachek. So let's take a look at one type of action. Let's say it's not animal hide that you're treating, but it's rather silverware that you're treating. Okay. And you want the silverware to gleam a little bit. Right? Says Rashi. You want the silverware to gleam a little bit on Shabbos but you need to use some sort of other material on it to bring out the gleam. So, you're allowed to apply uh, material uh, to um, other types of metal to make them shine better. But you, when it's silver that you're using, 
and the material you're using on it to make it shine is gartikon. If it's gartikon, rashtas come in who You can find it like it's the residue in the wine barrels, and it's called alum. And that's the way, what they use to give silver its shine. Vigoroso. And what you do is you, you, you scrape it on it. And what happens is, shakesef rach. The kesef actually, it enters into the pores, so to speak, of the silver. And that's memachek. So the gurk, this alum, this gartakun, is able to actually cause, it's almost like when you're, when you're, when you're smoothing the animal hides and you're actually causing a, a, a physical change in the porous surface. That's what's occurring to the silver. This is, all, this is the whole issue of, of shoe polishing and other things, besides the fact of, of tzoveya. Like, 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 cross, like wiping your leather shoes with a towel. This is a lot of the same thing here, is this mamachik malocha. So, chafin is a kalim, you can't take klikesef with gartakon. Okay. Which means what? Gartakon is the worst. Because that's a tough material, a strong material. Honeser v'chol, but let's say natron and sand which aren't as tough. Mutter. It sounds like you can use them. Aha. You can use them. Even though normally Nesser and Chol is what? Is probably Muktza. Because it's probably meant to build, to make glass or something else. Batanya and other Bryces says, Nesser v'chol Oser. Now, clearly, the Gemara doesn't think that Nesser and Chol are Capable of being mamachek, that that's a strange machlokus. It's a machlokus b'mitzias then, right? Notice again, you cannot apply to silver like you can't apply to animal hides a type of a type of a type of uh, substance that when you rub on it will actually cause it to get softer and flatter and smoother. And that's the reason why you can't use gartikone on silver. But you can use something else, like Nesser and Chol. Nesser and Chol will also bring out a shine, but as Rashi says, it's not going to scrape physically into the silver. It doesn't really enter into the silver that much. The, the actual, uh, the silver, uh, the chitsonius of the silver isn't changed. It's just shinier. It probably doesn't do as good of a job, but it still brings out some sort of shine. The other, but we have another Bryce about the same subject, about shining your silver that says, Nesser v'choloser. Hmm, what could be the machlokas? It doesn't, like, I, let me re, re-say what I just said a minute ago. It's probably not b'mitzius, because if the Nesser v'chol is able to be mamachek, it should be also the same way alum is oser, the same way gartikon is oser. It must be the second Bryce that held it was oser because of muksa. Aha! And therefore, what was it saying? Demar sover be'in and ma'isa. That the, 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 the first, the second b'risa held, the reason why you can't use neser and chol is because neser and chol is meant to be used for building or something else. It's not meant to use the polished silver. And therefore, even though you can't tie it, it's like offer, it's not like, it's just like dirt in the house, but I don't care. If something is muksan, it's meant for A, that's the reason it was put there. You can't just in your mind think, hey, I want to use this to polish my silver on Shabbos. You got to do a misa. And since this was meant to be this type of muksa item, you can't use it on Shabbos. Omar Sober Lobin in Misa. Whereas the first Bryce says it's only Gartakon that's Osir. But Nesser Bachol, even though uh, even though you meant it originally to be some sort of building or or some sort of muksa reason, if if before Shabbos you think of it to be what you're going to polish the silver with, you can polish the silver on Shabbos with it just with the machshava. But you see that the first sheet holds. I'm sorry, the second sheet holds not like Rav Papa's answer. That and therefore, when even though it's not possible to do a physical mice in it, doesn't make a difference. You can't do a physical mice. It's too bad. The thing will stay muksa. Uh, it's going to stay muksa no matter what. That's not the shot of that machlokas. The kuliyal malobin in Misa. Really, everybody agrees with our puppas lumdas. And then really even Rav and all, everybody would admit when you can't change this thing, when it's, when it's like dirt, when it's like dirt in the house, that there's no way you can physically change the show with something else, you don't need a Misa. Machshob alone is enough. But what is the question over there? 
the question over there is those two Bryce's, the two Bryce's that argue about applying natron to the silver. Can you apply natron to the silver or not? Lokasha. The second Bryce says that really what's going on is because there is a little bit of mamachek that occurs. Really, we're going to tell you that there really is a mamachek that can happen even with natron. Aha, it happens? Yeah, it does. There really natron and sand do mamachek on silver. But the sheet that it holds, but it doesn't always happen. It could happen. And clearly, your purpose is not to soften the silver. Your purpose is to bring out the shine. That's similar to Machlokas, Rav Yudin, Rav Shimon. That is the Machlokas, Rav Yudin, Rav Shimon. Right? Rav Yudin says, Dover, Shein, and Miskave, Nasser. That even though your Kavon is to bring out the shine, but since it's also could, possibly, and sometimes does, more often than we thought earlier, actually change the physical aspect of the silver, that's Mamachek. But it's still Nasser. But the, but the one who says you can use natron and sand, that's Rav Shimon. Right? Uh, so therefore, since that's not your purpose in doing it, therefore you can use natron and sand on the silver. Because your purpose is not to make it shine. Even though if you would examine the silver afterwards, you might see some change in it. That wasn't your purpose. It's similar to this classic case of Rav Shimon of dragging the chair to the table. You might find grooves in the floor, but that wasn't your idea, and therefore you're allowed to do it. So it turns out, the Mayu Kim Tavahadishari, which was the opinion that says you can use the natron and sand of Shimon. Well, we happen to have a full version of that Brisa, Chofinas Akalim. Let's go and read the full Brisa. Ema Seifa, the Seifa says, Avo lo yachuf bahen. Meaning, you can do what Chofinas Akalim. You're allowed to uh, wipe the silver with the natron and the sand, but don't apply them to yourself. Don't apply them to yourself on what? <laughs> your hair. Don't put them, don't put it like brill cream in your hair. Lo saro. You don't, don't put them into your hair, this stuff. Why? Says Rashi, because you're going to put the natron or sand into your hair. That's going to cause, affect the hair follicles and hair is going to fall out. Hmm, Rav Shimon shouldn't care about that. Your purpose is to, to, to scoop up your hair and have the pompadour look good on it, right? Your purpose is to look good on Shabbos. It's not to get your hair out. So, i.e. Rav Shimon, Mishra Kashari, should be allowed. It's not. Nazir Chofef we know a nazir, one of the one of the uh, averus a nazir can't do. One of the surim that's chal on a nazir is cutting his hair, right? Can't cut his hair. Not only, not only can he cut his hair, even if it's not with a, we'll see. He's not supposed to let any of his hair get falling off, even if it's not with a razor, even if it's not with scissors. So therefore, there's there's a suri the rabbanon for the nazir's hair to be off with powder, or anything else. Aha. Uh-huh. So, but he, uh, what he can do is chofef umefasface. What is he allowed to do? He's allowed to shampoo. He's allowed to put it in there in his hair. Avo lo sorek. He's not allowed to do what? He's not allowed to use a comb. I see. Now, what do you see? You see that Nesser and Chol, you are allowed to put into your hair. Because you can be chofef, says Rashi, but Nesser v'chol. And you just said in that Mish, that Brisa from Amid Aleph, that it said that you can only apply it to the silver. You can't apply it to your hair. We have a Mishnah in Nazar that says the Nazar, who's not supposed to let stuff fall out of his hair, is allowed. There's no even the Surah de Rabbanon to, to put it in his hair. He can't comb, because that's a direct action that definitely scrapes stuff out. But if he wants, he can, you know, he can, he can shampoo or, 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 or whatever, seed his hair with the hole in the nesser. 
even though you're telling me in this price he can't. So that can't be Rav Shimon. Ella, what are we going to say? That Bryson on Ahmed Aleph, Ha'bacha Rabbi Yehudahi. Uh-huh. It's, they're both Rabbi Yehuda. Hmm. They're both Rabbi Yehuda. Right. In other words, by Nesr Vachol, whether it's Mutter or not, it's actually both in the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Because according to Rabbi Shimon, remember, the first Bryson ends with the statement that you can't use Nesr in your hair. We know Rabbi Shimon allows Nesr in the hair. So it must be that it's going like a Rehuda. So what's the issue then? The issue was on a Shabbos issue. The issue was about using it on silver on Shabbos, but not about Muktza. It was a question about the Malach of Mamachek, how much Malach of Mamachek there might be with using Nesser. Betray Tanai, Libid Rabbiuda. Hi, Tan Libid Rabbiuda, Savar Garir. One opinion said that when I looked at the silver after it was treated with the treated with the sand, I saw a change in the uh, in the aspect in the layer of the silver. I think it was gore. I think it actually made grooves in it, and it was similar to the malacha mamachik. Okay, So what are you telling me that the first brisa is like Rav Yehuda, a masefa? Let's go to the very end of that brisa. Again, what did it say? Silver, Gartico, no. Cholvaneser, yes. Cholvaneser to your face, or to, I'm sorry, to your to your hair, no. But look at the very end of that. of mutter. If you want to put Cholvaneser on your face, your hands, or your legs, that's okay. On your hair itself, on the top of your head, that's also because there we're worried about. It taking the hair off, and it's davar no even if it's miskavin, it's rakabuta holds its ulcer. But if it's for your face, your hands, and your legs, that's mutter. One second, it should be the same problem, even though it's not a full head of hair up there. Hamaaver sayer, there's definitely hair growing on your body there, and this stuff takes the hair off. And according to rakabuta, it should still be ulcer. Why is he matrit? Ibai sam, you could tell me bekotan. Cotton doesn't have so much hair growing. And therefore, the hair uh, wasn't going to come off. Iboisema beisha might be a woman. Iboisema besris. Those are three types of situations where there might not be much hair on their face. And therefore, uh, you don't have to worry. On the legs and the hands, maybe it wasn't such a question. But on the face, that was the question. The legs and hands, maybe the, the, it doesn't, even applying to it, doesn't necessarily cause hair to fall off. But on the face, considering the beard, that's what we were talking about. Amr of Yehuda, Afr Levinta, Shari. What's Afr Levinta? Afr Levinta means you take, Rashi says you take a brick and you crush it. And now you've got the dirt from it. So what is it, Shari? What are you allowed to do? Shari lochu fanav. That is a nice treatment for your beard, makes your face all shiny, and even according to Rav Yehuda, it's not going to be a problem. Uh, Rav Yehuda, by the way, the Amora Paskins like 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 Shmuel anyway, that we're not so machmer muksa, but here we're saying it should be mutter no matter what. Upper Levinta Shari. Am Rabbi Yosef, Kuspa Diyasman Shari. That's another thing you can use to wash your face with, says Rashi. So was Shumshamin, that were probably wrapped around in some sort of jasmine, as well, the, 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 the sesame residue wrapped up in jasmine, that's a nice face treatment. That's okay. Don't have to worry, even if you're not a Sris, you don't have to worry about it taking stuff off your face. Amarava, offer palpalishari. Let's say before Shabbos, uh, you grind up a bunch of peppers and you apply that, the pepper treatment to your face, that's also okay. It's not going to affect the hairs on your face. Amravsheshas, bardashari. Rav Sheshis even wanted to be Mater Barda. You could even wash your face with Barda on Shabbos. My Barda, I'm Rav Yosef. I know what it is, he said. It's Tilsa Ahala, one-third aloe. And that's a powerful thing, but it's only a third aloe. Tilsa Asa, a third of it is Hadasim, right? Right, that's the uh, the Hadas. The, right? The Tilsa Sigli. And a third of it is Rashi's Asif Shikaran Viol, a violet. A third of it is a violet. So you have a third aloe leaves, a third hadasim, 
and a third of it is violets. And then put that on your face. That's okay. The reason why that's okay is because because if it would be mostly aloe, that definitely takes hair off, and that would be a problem. They asked Rav Sheshes, talking about you know washing your face with stuff. Could you possibly um, you know uh, crack the oil? Uh, in other words, you, you want to basically use some of the uh, uh, the olive uh, crushed olives to apply that to your face. Could you then uh, use that and apply it to your face? Omer Lulu, crushing olives? You're just going to crush them to make like a like like a treatment for your face? You can't even do it during the weekday. Why? That's food. You could have eaten those olives. And you want to just, you know, you vain person, you want to apply it to just wash your face with it? It's one thing if you use flowers, violets, and stuff like that. But if you want to use olives, which are which are food, because that that would be also. Let me plead the Shmuel. Yamar Shmuel Shmuel says, "Oh, Sadam called Sarko Bapas. You can do whatever you want with pas. You can put it on a plate. In other words, you can hold the plate up with it. You don't have to eat everything. You see from Shmuel that once it's a bread item, for me, this is what I want. I don't want to eat it. I don't want to imbibe it. I don't want to put it into my system. Same thing here. The olive, Shmuel would say, listen, I don't want it for olives. I don't want it for eating. I want to get the extract to wash my face with. It should be good enough. So Amre, the base manager, that's not a proof. Pas lo meisa. When you take the piece of bread and you use it uh, to prop up the, the plate or whatever you're using it for, or to wipe up some stuff off of your plate, like a napkin, the bread doesn't really get disgusting that way. It's nice and soft anyway. It doesn't get a disgusting aspect to it. Hani meisa. But when you do that stuff to the olives, you, you cause them to end up being disgusting. And that you can't do for food. You can't make the food mius. That's already, that's something that maybe even Shmuel would admit you can't do. They were sitting there. And they brought them some barda. Okay. And I guess this was on Shabbos. So this was, remember, you could wash your face with it. Remember, they put their hands into the uh, barda. Remember, these three, all over Shabbos, we have stories about these three together. So, washed their face with it. Marzutra lay mushroom. Marzutra didn't wash his face with it. Remember, Rav said, it's less than 50% aloe. It's only 33% aloe. You can use it. Rav Mordechai. Rav Mordechai decided to speak up. I don't know why. <laughs> it looks like Marzutra could talk for himself. But Rav Mordechai says, Bar demar. <laughs> that Amemar Marzutra is an old of that. Uh-huh. He wouldn't use it even during the weekday. He wouldn't use barda on his face in the weekday. <laughs> Why not? Why wouldn't he use it in the weekday? What's wrong with washing your face and make it shine and look good? Summer like God the Tanina, the Tanya, because Marzutra held like this Brisa. If a person has on his skin, and it could be anywhere on his face or his skin or his legs, gilded soa, soa. It's not, it's, it's not fecal material here, but it means like a scab, a scab uh, that's something as like, 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 like it's stuff that's expunged, like, like pus or something that's formed a scab. What you're allowed to do is obviously, even though it's not hurting anybody, you don't feel it, but you don't want to walk around uh, and everybody notices that. Or gilde makashal v'soro. Or some other sort of wound that, that still has the scab on it. You're allowed to scrape it off and make the, the skin look smooth. Why? Shvil Maybe it's hurting you keeping the scab there. Or as Tosva says, <laughs> even if it embarrasses you. Very important tesis. There's no greater tsar than being embarrassed by people looking at you or thinking they're looking at you. So that you're allowed to do. 
in Bishviliafos. But if you're fine looking, there's no, you don't look disgusting. Nobody thinks you, you look ugly. No one's staring at you. But you want to be Brad Pitt. You want to look Kishmak. You want to look shiny. You want to you look like you're, you're, for, you're ready for GQ. That's awesome. That you can't say, well, I got to apply this to my face. I want to have a sheen on my face. That's Osir. Why is it Osir? Says Rashi. <laughs> it's Yubash. That's why <laughs> Marzutra refused to do that. He says, I'm not into that beautifying my face stuff. The Inu, <laughs> Ravashi and Amemar, <laughs> they were tzaddikim themselves. How come they didn't do it? Inu Kamansura, who do they hold like? They hold. You could wash your face and hands and shine it up because you're not doing it for yourself. You know what you represent. You represent God, right? Everything is there for God. And therefore, you're, you have to tell him, look him. You're not doing it. You know that you represent God in the world. You know that you're a human. God gave you this body. And because of that, if that was your kavana, then it's not losilbash. Right? Rashi says, let's take a look. Um, Rashi. <laughs> Rashi, a beautiful Rashi. Rashi says, keep it selma lukim also. It's all, I- I'm shining up the tzelem. Va'od, we know that locha is, we've worked in brachos. Haroa brios noos. If someone sees a beautiful person, he says, Baruch <laughs> I'm giving people a chance, Ravashi's held, to make a brook on me. Because if I look nice and shiny and, and, and look how beautiful I am, people are going to praise God and say, God, you, what a great world that you created such a good-looking guy. So it's all meant for the Rabbani Shalom. And because of that, that would be, that would be mutter. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.